Hi, I'm Bowen Yang, and welcome to Search Party, the podcast, brought to you by iHeartRadio and HBO Max. Think of this as an audio companion to the dark comedy series that you can't help but binge watch. And the theme of today's podcast is one that is central to Search Party, friendship. To discuss this topic, we'll be joined by Meredith Hagner, who you all know is one of the show's central characters, Portia Davenport, as well as celebrity fan Carrie Brownstein, who of course you'll recognize from Portlandia or her legendary rock band, Slater Kinney. Carrie also directed the season three wedding episode of Search Party, A Dangerous Union, which we'll get to later on. But first, let's kick off the interview. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Bowen. <laughs> um, the theme of today's episode is friendship. And I want to start off this conversation by asking you two and myself, how have you been a good friend this month? I will say that I helped a friend find their keys in the park after there was a moment of panic and um, we weren't sure where they were, but we found them. How long was the hunt? Like it was long, like 25 minutes long. Wow. Usually I, I would say like the median time for searching for keys or a phone is like 10 minutes. What about you, Meredith? Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm like, Carrie, want to take it away? Carrie, do you have a thought, an example? Meredith, what if I just said, I've just been a good listener. <laughs> then that's what you were going to say. Yeah, it's true. Literally like, cause listening does require to not talk about yourself. <laughs> I don't feel like I have anything as tangible as I help someone find their keys, but I feel like I have talked with multiple friends about their existential crises during this time. And I've done the same. Free emotional labor is the quintessence of friendship, I would say. You're both sort of mirroring back, you're, you're, you're playing back your friends to themselves. That's so. That's how I've been a good friend. What about you, Meredith? Well, it is this weird thing where we're all like with your friends. You're you're going through. Everyone's going through their own traumas and like joys and all of that within this time. But there is this collective experience that we're all sharing. So it's like, hey, we're both experiencing some version of the same dystopian hell. <laughs> um, so kind of. Um, yeah, no, just like having great conversations with people that that I love and care about and listening. It's presence and that's and that that that's worth something. Yeah. Well, I think it's very appropriate that you're both here, but with uh Meredith especially, I feel like Portia out of the core four characters of Search Party is someone who I think values friendship the most, or she thinks in terms of being a good friend, or she wants to be thought of as a good friend. Yeah, like uh, I don't know how deep her she's just so eager to be told that she's a good person and that she's, she is a good friend that she sort of will blindly give anyone what they need just so that they kind of validate her. Mm -hmm. But doesn't mean that I don't think she loves her friends. I think it's like showing in season two, episode one, when Keith's body is there, I feel like it's summed up a lot of Portia in that moment when she's apologizing. Like she's gone, yeah. walked in on her friends who have murdered someone. And she's like, I'm sorry. I know I can be like, dramatic. And so even in that moment, she's still like subtextually love me, you know, don't abandon wow. me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm apolog- she's apologizing in that moment. So, but yeah, I think, I think there's so many layers onto how deep their friendships are, but I, and what motivates why Portia connects with people. But yeah, she is motivated by her friends. That's for sure. And I love that you brought up the 
scene in the first episode of season two. I feel like that moment is this revelatory flashpoint for all four of those people. You have Dory sort of coping with what's happened. You have Drew who's protecting Dory. You have Elliot who's proposing this denial that they should just bury him or or whatever. Yeah. And that you have Portia who's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you think Portia is a good friend? Yeah, I would say yeah. she's a good friend. I think she's not a good friend to herself. Oh. But I would say she's a good friend to other people and in yeah. the way that she has the capacities to be. Right. Um, I want to ask both of you the same question, which is, uh, I feel like Search Party is a show that is about, among other things, friendship, of course, but in, but not just friendship, the sort of weight tests on friendship, I think. You know, you have these four people who are bound together by this crazy circumstance, or they're processing things together, or they're driven apart by by other circumstances. How would you describe the ways that these four people support each other as friends? So Portia, Dory, Drew, Elliot. No, I think if you were to ask each actor, like even for an audience member watching this, it's you can kind of draw your own conclusions, right, as to why these people are connected. And it, and because it's not so overt, and it is that gray area of the confusing aspect of friendships and relationships and why we sometimes continue to hang out with people that might not be reflective of the people we want to be. Mm-hmm. We've all have friends where, like, you hang out with you and like, I feel a little drained. I don't feel like this is where I want to be going, but, you know, and I think these four people have bonded so intensely through this trauma and watching the different colors of how, you know, I don't really necessarily like you. Like even in the the honey scene that Carrie directed with Dory, that was a big moment because I finally, Portia was finally like coming into her own and standing up for herself. And in that moment, just because there's some survival aspect where like Dory saves her, there's this mm-hmm. primal like, okay, we're connected again. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. friendships are really complex. And I think the show explores that gray area of those complexities well. And everyone's motivated by that, all the characters. And I think everyone has moments of like, why are we hanging out? But mm-hmm, yet they mm-hmm. still do. Yeah, but I, and I think you're right. And to answer Bowen's question, kind of based on what you're saying is, maybe their friendship language is one of trauma or conflict, but which I think in essence, a lot of our friendships are. I mean, you know, we we like to think of friendships as based around these like very like halcyon moments of like joy, which sometimes they are, but often what connects us to other people is actually this like shared sense of like pain or trauma, you know, and from that something really like organic and and less traumatic comes about, which I think is so much of season all the seasons and why and why search party is so great is because there are these glimmers where you're like, oh yeah, they are connected by things that aren't just this horrible this one incident. But I mean, often we don't really choose why we're drawn to people or totally. why we stick with them. You know, after a certain amount of time, that's why relationships are so flawed. Mm, wow. There was a superficial aspect, I think, to their friendship that bonded by this trauma in some way deepened aspect. They were actually, they're actually in times in major denial, but being slightly more authentic with each other, which I think you're right. The best friendships that you end up having, you're vulnerable and honest. Um, I'm so glad you brought up the honey scene or just the, or just um, Carrie's episode. Uh, We have a clip. So this is um, after Portia is sort of in this distressing uh, uh, scenario. Everyone springs into action to help her. And this is the scene after that, I think, where 
everyone's making sure Porsche's okay. There's a fun, interesting comment from Dory here. So let's play that clip. Thank you guys for spending the night with me. Obviously feeling particularly unlovable right now. So it's just very nice to have my close friends around. Even though we are all at legal odds with each other. Yeah. I honestly don't think there's anything that could tear us apart now. I love that scene. It's so sweet. So sweet. Uh, Why... Carrie, do you think that the friends were able to, to sort of rise to the occasion and uh, with both supporting Elliot in this really terrible day and with saving Portia, basically? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I think it's what makes the show, like the stakes always feel really high in the show and and they subvert expectations. And it was just one of those moments where the chaos was so pronounced and they again, we're sort of, I think they're all kind of at their best when they have meaning, you know, and so much about that, the show is like, how do we as humans find meaning? You know, they happen to sort of find meaning around this murder in the first season, even though the show takes things to extreme because it's, it's criminal, like they're finding meaning through, through crime and, you know, transgressions that basically break the law. I mean, it's very um, relatable to, want to coalesce around meaning. And so I think when when they have that clarity, this is when they're at their best. And I love those moments in the show. And that's why this episode was really fun because, you know, for how much at odds they are with each other, they just like snap into place as most of us do when that light goes on and we're like, we have to step up. Sure, sure. Uh, how was it directing this episode? Because I feel like you ended up balancing a lot of tones here. I mean, it's it's a thrilling episode. And then there's this crazy set piece of what, like the Williamsburg National Bank or, or whatever whatever that place is. Um, just the wedding, and then you have all the pageantry of that mixed in with this horrifying thing that happens to Portia. That must have been challenging. It was definitely a challenging episode. I mean, I think just the constraints of of filming television, you know, you you get these really amazing scripts, which, I mean, if there's so many great things about the show, but the writing is stellar. And it's such a great cast and you want to give everybody a chance to sort of flex their acting muscles and have space to find the performance and find the scene. But then you're tasked with this wedding, you know, just just this huge undertaking with a ton of background performers, you know, as you're saying, a huge setting, lots of pageantry, following multiple storylines, but also wanting to like show the opulence and the grandiosity of of Elliot's wedding, but then have these small moments. And so the biggest challenge was just wanting to, you know, pull that off without making sacrifices to the visuals and to how kind of grand and like royal wedding I wanted to make it. Mm -hmm. I just kept referencing like Prince Charles and Diana's wedding. (laughs) I was like, it's got to be big, you guys. And then we need to make sure to get all those little other scenes. But we did. (laughs) It just was, it was long days and um, everyone is such a pro on the set. Oh, can I ask how long it took to shoot the wedding? Like those scenes? How many days was that? You were just there two days, I think. I know, it's crazy. Wow. You did such a good that's... job, Carrie. I mean, really, that you bit off a lot. And that's one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's so good. Well, thanks. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, again, everyone just worked really hard that, but yeah, it was only two days in that. I, maybe it was two and a half 
Yeah, but that's still nothing. That's still such a crunch. That's that's wild. Well done. I kept thinking of that movie, The Square, with Elizabeth Moss. And there's like this scene where that the guy like takes on the role of like a a gorilla. He like starts emulating an did you guys see this movie? No. Anyway, at the time I was shooting Search Party, I was reading this article about how they shot that scene in like 13 days. It takes place in one, <laughs> one room. It was something insane. And I was like, and they're like, you'll be shooting this in two and a half days. I was like, okay. It's just insane when you think of how many parts there were to that episode. It's really crazy. Right. But one of the best parts was shooting Meredith singing. Mm, of course. And happily, we actually have a clip of that. Let's watch. Hold you tight, baby, all through the night. Portia? Portia, stop. Portia, stop. Stop singing. <laughs> Get a clue, because Patrick Ashley sent everyone home. Can't do that. Tell him we can't do that. I'm going. So I've just been informed that we uh, contractually have to keep partying until 11.59. So enjoy. Great. Okay. That's all we, that's all we need. Um, wow. I mean, such a funny scene that is like suffused in like humiliation. I mean, like between Portia, like belting and what happens to Elliot and, and Drew walking in. I mean, I feel like this is sort of an active moment in their friendship for all four of them in terms of just presence. Like we were, we're like we're, with what we were saying earlier, if you, if you sort of, Set that against what Dory says later on in the episode at the end, nothing can tear us apart. I mean, do we believe, like, why did she say that? Like, is that, does it, is that something that Dory says in the moment because she just needs that comfort of the friendship again because it's been so dispersed from her life? What do you guys think the end of that scene sort of portends for the friends? I think it's just sort of like if we got through this and we're like happily in each other's company feeling safe and grounded and we're the only people that can understand what we've been through, then like it's now was, it's now not concerning one person's death. It's like when we're all almost dying, you know, I almost died, right? Portia almost yeah. died. So it's like suddenly the stakes are so much higher. I mean, I think if we got through that now, all the superficial shits, like we're, we're in it now. Yeah. If you're going to survive all the things that these, this foursome, has survived, you know, how could you, what could ba- break them after this? Sure. Um, it's being tested constantly, which is, you know, the inventiveness of the show. But it does seem like that was a real crucible for them. Yeah. Uh, something that I've remarked on with other people on this podcast is the fact that the four of them are friends from college. And I think I think the the friendship language, I don't know if this qualifies as a language, but I feel like this is a friendship that is built on all this history and all these like things that have happened to them in their pasts and that these things just calcify around that past too. I mean, you have between the murder and what happens to Portia, whether or not they're bad friends for each other, they're sort of doomed to remain friends maybe yeah exactly i think mm. that's like right yeah. on yeah 
I think a lot about like what their college friendships were like, just mm-hmm. because I think a lot about Portia and Dory's relationship. And I think we know, we don't obviously know or see it, but there has to have been a lot of love there. And I think Dory kind of played like second fiddle to Portia. Yeah. I feel that it's very normal to um, not remain friends with people from certain times in your life just because, just for the sake of that. Yeah. And there's that interesting thing with college where first you think you've grown apart from them because how they've changed. And then you realize it's almost like, oh, I just don't like who I was back then. Yeah. And you remind remind me of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, um, and I think that is like almost some of the fundamental challenges of search parties. This, this group has sort of been forced despite all of their changes or attempts to sort of grow apart. Like they're just like, no, you will stay together. It's like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love that because most of us kind of have the luxury. We don't have, you know, all this trauma binding us together. We can just be like, peace out. I was not the best person in college and neither were you. And now I've made better <laughs> friends and I'm a better person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're stuck. They're like calcified as these people that they don't really even want to be anymore. And they don't know, they don't even get to be who they want to be in the future, right? They've just been stuck <laughs> in this spot. And, and carrying this secret and this weight. But so like thinking back on certain friendships, it's, yeah, it's just, you know, Portia and Elliot have gone through their things. I think Portia annoys Elliot and Portia is the one who's like, I would stay friends with you guys, you know, pretty clearly pretty much through no matter what, just because she's like probably can't be alone for five minutes on her own. After this quick break, we'll continue our exploration of friendship in the context of Search Party with Meredith Hagner and Carrie Brownstein. Don't go anywhere. Carrie brought up their attempts to branch out of of this group. I feel like Portia has this moment in season three with this Christian, this this church group. I, I I would say Portia goes pretty far into the depths of what this friendship could be. I mean, she 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 forms a band with them. Why didn't it work? Why why couldn't she have stayed longer? What I find so f- deeply funny about that and just the saddest way is that she stumbled upon Christianity because she so hates herself and she's just looking for a charger. Like that's mm-hmm. where she, that's like, literally it was, she could have stumbled anywhere with a certain type of like welcoming energy. Yeah. And I think it's for her just, and playing this like moral gray area of like good and bad is that that's her major motivation in life. And whoever she's closest to with the strongest energy will take her into that orbit. It turns out, I think they were, there There was such a super, they were just boring. Like, I think for Portia, it was just like, <laughs> oh, this is fun. And then realizing like, oh, this is just superficial to her even. I mean, she's the kind of girl that would get caught in any web, you know, yeah. as long as it was accepting. <laughs> her, her self-worth <laughs> like couldn't really probably be lower. So in terms of friendship, I think she realized like, oh, at least my friends are funny in a way that, that I... <laughs> Like the the Christian the, those actors were so brilliant and hilarious, but I think even to her they were basic. Uh huh. Um, it's interesting that you say that she would be caught in any web as long as the people were accepting. Mm-hmm. Do Dory and Drew and Elliot accept her? 
ultimately? I think that's always her question. I think mm. I think that she just so deeply wants to be told that she's good. And now seasons three and four were all about her exploring that and what that looks like without having her own strength or autonomy. Um, sure. So I think she wants them to think she's good and that's her motivation. But I think that on some level they all are like, oh, Portia, you know? Right. But I think she also probably in some like Newtonian way, like pushes back by basically selling the friends out. Yeah. There's a moment where you think, oh, she's, she's standing up for herself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, goes back again to that trauma bond where it's like, well, I could, I could be alone and a pariah or I could be like with the devils and be welcomed. Right. It's like, Uh at what point does she stand up? I don't even think she knows what she believes is good. I don't think she, she honestly, the line at the end with Elliot or they're like, I, I, I watched Dory's closing argument and I think she didn't. I'm like, oh my God, she right, didn't right. do it. I mean, it's like obviously funny and that's what it is. But I think that, not that she's like a gnat, but I think that it's whatever <laughs> she's just believing what's what's coming at her. is, And that's also what I find makes her like lovable and very fun to play is that, I mean, I don't think she has the highest IQ. I, <laughs> I agree that that's why she's lovable because I think so. All of us would like to think in a certain set of circumstances that we would be able to like turn away from it or make a like the stronger decision. But often we just want to be liked and we just go along with things like in spite of what we thought leading up to it. So I find even when I think I'm going to be frustrated at Portia and feel more of a kinship with Dory, I'm like, oh, but there's something more conniving about Dory. And that's also sort of scary. Sure. Totally. But with Portia though, I mean, there is that relatability in in the way that she doesn't have a sense of self. I mean, when she's sort of doing the dry run of the testimony, she goes, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not used to playing myself. I mean, that's like, there's the irony in that line of just being like, what do you mean playing yourself? Like I love that. she's an actress, but it's, it's such a good line. Sort of like, crystallizes Portia's whole deal. Um, I agree. And and in terms of her friendship with Elliot, there's a moment, I think, in the earlier seasons where she says she's mad at Elliot for lying about having cancer because her dad died of cancer. Then she goes, oh, wait, I might be lying about that. So it's like, <laughs> in terms of her own personal history, it's like she's she's so unclear and clouded by whatever's in front of her. I mean, you know, she's just reacting off of whatever's there. I think that there are moments, though, where she's like, she gets it. And we get to watch as an audience like, oh, wow, she's actually being kind of clear and in certain moments, like, really wise and getting to play those and deciding where to kind of lean into her it's just if she could only hang on to that for a little longer, right? Like, you see Mm -hmm. glimpses of her strength or her redeeming qualities. And she's not just this total idiot, but yet she's within the context of these friends. So used to playing that role. Yeah. And I think that's another thing. Like we, we all fall into those roles in our own friendships too. We're like uh-huh, with this uh-huh. friend, I'm like the wild crazy one. And the, but to this other friend, I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, I, it's just, and I think within the context of her friends, they all have these like archetypes that they're playing within their dynamic. Sure. Um, there's there's that moment where um, Portia thinks that Dory paid off her student loans or whatever. I mean, it's so funny in terms of the low IQ aspect, but 
I feel like you're never you're never playing her to make fun of her. You're not making fun of this person, are you? I mean, is that or is, is that a challenge that you find yourself in? I, I find it more interesting to be like she is a real. I like to think of her as a real person with her own mm-hmm. limitations and. Um, she probably, I know she's in, I did like the scene with the dinner party scene in season one where she's talking about, I just feel stupid or whatever. And she got emotional, but it's like, you know, I think that she's a girl that's been, oh, and then I, I added in season one, I, I was like, can I say this instead about like having dyslexia? But I was like, that informed a lot for me of like, oh, she had like a, you know, learning issue. And I think that she carries that insecurity. Yeah. That's such a good scene. That's so good. You're so good in that. I'm referencing Um, my best moments on the show. It's such a good moment. Why shouldn't we talk about it? Um, Who else is in that scene is um, Tunde Adebimpe. Oh, so good. TV on the radio. And then you had uh, Michelle Zahner, uh, who is Japanese Breakfast, playing guitar with you at the wedding. And then you had Carrie directing that episode. What is it about Search Party that allows space for that crossover into like music and, and indie rock or... Or, or just music in general. I mean, like, what is it about the show that, like, is able to be this convergence point for these different disciplines or scenes? I I don't know. Because it's always felt of the world to me, it, it makes total sense. And it also feels like it's in conversation with a generation and with a community. And, and so I like when it's, when you're trying to connect with people that you actually bring in, you know, like, oh, that that's a real person. And even mm-hmm. though they're, like, being inserted into this fictional universe, there's no cognitive dissonance there. I remember asking for Michelle from Japanese Breakfast because I like that band. And, you know, Charles and SV were like, of course, you know, like they're just open to that integration and and making things feel very like, yeah, this takes place right now. And they would probably be listening to Japanese Breakfast. Anyway, right. I, love, I always love stuff like that. Carrie and Meredith, you two were what I would consider friends before Carrie directed this episode. I would consider us friends, but I don't know if Carrie would. Carrie? <laughs> I will not go down this path with you. Yes, we're friends because we have we have a shared experience of thinking that someone else was, wasn't our friend. Oh, yeah. Remember? We, yeah. Oh. No, we're friends. Okay. We're we're friends. We, yeah, we are. We are friends. I, we I are won't, friends. I won't drill down this line of questioning, though. It's It sounds like it... We just had a, a very similar experience working with someone where we just uh-huh. were like, oh, we're all, we're so close. And then we were like, that person maybe does not consider us a friend. Just Interesting. Kind of really, was so nice, Was a, is an amazing person, but yes. we just, we assumed a, a closeness that I think both Meredith and I collectively <laughs> assumed a closeness that wasn't real. But what came from that was our own friendship. We thought that we were getting invited to a party with maybe <laughs> six or seven people. And I want to say there were tickets sold. <laughs> <laughs> So what did it end up being? Like it ended up being a, a ticketed ticket event. You could get a ticket for the party at StubHub. And I think Carrie <laughs> and I thought, like, we were, I was so excited for this one party. We're not going to name this wonderful, wow. wonderful, really cool person. Yeah, it was like a, it was a private Coachella that we attended. <laughs> sure, sure. I pictured five people, including our, my perceived friend, and then Carrie, my actual <laughs> friend, like playing Jenga, having like a good intimate party time. Well, I love that that's what I think a party is. That's so sad. I have to go to a party. You should go to one of those, go into one of those TikTok influencer parties that keeps happening in They LA. keep happening. Or in the Hamptons, they have these parties where the rapid testing is at the door, but they just don't like resource it out to other people. Wait, what's the distinction between a perceived friend and an actual friend? I know this is like such a cheesy, broad question, but like, 
I mean, like, what does that even mean anymore? Well, like, it's that <laughs> thing where you're like, oh, we're friends. The other person yeah. would say, I worked with them. Uh-huh. <laughs> or would, in my case, I feel like would not remember me. <laughs> oh, wow. No. That's um, wild. No, but that's a valid question. That's a, I mean, not just valid, but an interesting question in this day and age, because there are so many iterations of friendship because people have, you know, like Twitter friendships where you see two people sort of having a whole dialogue on social media, but they've Mm -hmm. never met in real life and they might consider themselves friends, which I guess is the equivalent of like an epistolary relationship from a hundred years ago. I have no idea, but (laughs) um, I... I guess a friend, like Meredith, okay, say we are not like close friends and we don't um, see each other that much. Okay. Oh, okay. oh wow. <laughs> no, but I mean like, but I have strong feelings of fondness towards Meredith. And I know that if she reached out to me in need for something, I would be like, yes, I will be there. And I feel the same about her. So in that sense, like that's a real friendship to me. That's not a perceived friendship. Wow, like, this I is text- huge and public. I can yeah. text Carrie you. Brownstein is my friend, you guys. I could I feel like I could text you and you would be like, yeah, or if I if I thought that any you were hurting in any way, I would come help you. Right back at you. But it is that funny thing where I have had people in my life where I'm like, oh no, I'm friends with them. And then you do wonder like, are they would they say the same thing? 100 percent yeah, I, that's that's how I feel too. But you're one of those very cool people, Carrie. That like a lot of people would be very excited to be like. Would project a friendship onto perhaps onto yeah. someone like Carrie. I yeah. really wanted to be your friend, and I worked really hard at it. So this this is huge for me right now. <laughs> but the, the the irony is that I am such an introvert and don't am not very social. So it is always that's always funny for me to hear because. But I do know that you, like Meredith is someone, at least my perception is that you have like a small group of really, really close friends. That's why I didn't put myself in that co- category because I know you have like this like really strong group. And, but I feel like I'm nicely like on the periphery. Yeah, that, no, I feel, I feel the same way. I'm, I come on really strong with people that I want to be friends with. My dad even told me like, I want to say I was probably like in eighth grade and he, in a very loving way, was like, I think you come on a little strong. And I <sighs> do feel like I've now carried that sort of. Oh, no, no. I know. But um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm the person like outside of coffee that's like accosting people for socialization right now. No, that's lovely. I happen <laughs> to like when, when coffee shops opened up again and I did miss having coffee made by someone who really knows how to make coffee, I found myself really talkative during those interactions. Because you're cushioned by familiarity or like a degree of it. And then you just sort of like slip down the slope of that. And you're like, oh, I want all everything to be normal again. Yes. Maybe. You're so insightful, Bo. And I, you really I, could, ha- I could have this conversation for a long time. I feel like we're really on topic. We are. <laughs> we're not talking about search party, but we are on topic of friendship. That's friendship. And I think you two should move your each other out of the periphery, closer to the center, <laughs> closer to the center in terms of your Gary's friendships. like, I'm think- good. No, periphery's good. <laughs> <laughs> to be a center friend in my life is is exhausting, probably. No, no, no. I don't think that's true. Yeah. I don't I, think that's true either. You're a, you're a delight. Thanks. Oh, and oh, this is another element that I just kind of extemporaneously thought of um this episode it has this um dory stalker played by cola scola who in every way like has this parasocial friendship with dory like you're my best friend yeah you're all these things and then it just kind of gets 
distorted into this awful, awful thing. So we're so on topic. Because we're so we're, on topic. We had to bring it back to the show. Yes, that's true. That is a perfect example of someone. I'm just like project- Carrie's Cole. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, he is. How good is I? I love Cole so. I think he's just one of Wonderful. the most brilliant that there is. I know that friendship, that relationship. Oh, just wait till season four, Bowen. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Um, well, on that note, I want to thank my peripheral friends, Meredith Hagner <laughs> and Carrie Brownstein. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Bowen. Bye, thank you, Carrie. Bowen. Bye, Meredith. I'll see you so soon. I'll see you so soon. Whoa, is it me or does it seem like all three of us grew closer as friends during the course of that episode? (laughs) Are you and I friends? You listening? Thanks again so much to Meredith Hagner and Carrie Brownstein for coming by and deep diving into these multifaceted characters. Uh, Until next time, I'm Bowen Yang. Join me on Wednesday, this Wednesday, for a new episode in which we'll deep dive into the many themes of Search Party with two more special guests. Search Party, the podcast, is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced and written by Jonah Bayer, written and researched by Marissa Brown, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Search Party the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. And don't forget to watch Season 4 of Search Party, premiering January 14th only on HBO Max. 